Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton Thompson. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported more than 3,000 women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. Together, we'll break your past patterns and eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks so much for joining me today. All of you who love the sciencey episodes, you are going to love this. I enjoy them too. Science is my background, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun today. I actually intended for this to be an episode primarily about melatonin, but it's not. And I'll tell you why. We are going to touch on melatonin, but I get a lot of questions about why I don't recommend melatonin as a sleep supplement. And I also hear from a ton of people who are exhausted all the time or aren't sleeping well. And I went down the rabbit hole of melatonin research to kind of prepare with science to to make my case for why I don't think that's the best path to go for the dramatic majority of people. And I ended up going down the rabbit hole of circadian rhythm and you'll see, you'll see why. So most of us are familiar with the notion of circadian rhythm. It's kind of our body's inner clock. Feeling awake in the morning, feeling sleepy at night, that is part of the role of your internal body clock. But it is not just about sleep. And the reason that I emphasize that so much is because there are a lot of people who think of their lack of sleep or poor quality sleep as just a matter of being tired and I can push through it and it's not a huge deal. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or it's an annoyance that they really only consider in terms of energy or feeling rested or sleep. But it is dramatically more than that. Your circadian rhythm or your body's inner clock is not just about if you feel alert in the morning, if you feel sleepy at night, the circadian rhythm dictated by your body has a significant impact on hormone balance and metabolism. Now, hormone balance is like a loaded phrase that means so many things. And I I believe that for most people, it's largely too vague to be very meaningful. And kind of the same thing with metabolism. Metabolism is about way more than 
do you burn through the food you eat quickly or slowly? And the reason that this is significant and that I want to talk about it is because I think a lot of people don't realize that if our circadian rhythm is disrupted, not even significantly, it can be a relatively minor disruption, it's not only going to impact our weight, it's going to impact our energy, it's going to impact so much from mood to metabolism to immunity to every single hormonal thing we have going on in our lives, appetite, hunger, cravings, satiety, and more. Insulin resistance. When we see chronic sleep disruption, that could be getting up a number of times in the night, it could be not sleeping enough, going to bed too late, you name it. It alters so many things including, and we're going to get more into this, including our microbiome, the bugs that live in and on us. When we see chronic sleep disruption, we also see detrimental changes to metabolism. We see the development of insulin resistance as well as obesity. We, when we see chronic sleep disruption, we see so many disease processes triggered by that. Heart disease, gut issues, inflammatory bowel disease, neurodegenerative diseases, and also cancer. Oftentimes we look at a lot of those things as outside of our control. You know, a neurodegenerative disease. Well, it must be genetic or, you know, it certainly wasn't something that I did. And I want you to know that there are so many things we can do to influence slow, prevent disease progression in our bodies, including, but certainly not limited to, cancer. When we think about weight struggles, we tend to oversimplify and make it about how much we eat, when we eat, what we eat, or movement. But it's about a lot more than that. And I've talked about this back in January. We did an episode on the gut And we were talking about, if you haven't listened to that episode, I think it aired around January 17th. It might be episode 951, but don't quote me on that. We talked about how weight issues are often a symptom of another problem, and not just like eating too much, of another problem happening in the body. And yet we treat it as the the core problem. Oh, I just need to eat less. Oh, I just need to move more. But the same thing is going on here with sleep. We have so many triggers... So many levers we can pull to make our weight issues easier that might not have anything to do with how much we're eating. Now, obviously, food is a huge component of weight and metabolism and hormones and as well as neurodegenerative diseases and risk of cancer. Food has a huge part of that. So I'm not discounting that in any way. But what I'm saying is sleep and circadian rhythm are about way more than if you feel tired, because I believe that most of us can just tough it out in terms of energy. But it's impacting a lot, a lot more than that. A lot more than that. It's impacting leaky gut. It's impacting inflammation throughout the body, which we know is the starting point of basically every disease. So let's talk about melatonin for a second. Melatonin is a hormone And one 
of its roles is kind of moderating, modulating circadian rhythm, keeping that body clock in check. The reason I cringe when I hear people so regularly turning to melatonin as a sleep aid is because, A, it's a hormone, and when we supplement with a hormone, we generally reduce the body's natural production of it, which feels counterintuitive to me, but also because that's not the only thing that melatonin is in charge of, and so we're kind of messing with something based on one mechanism and ignoring everything else that it does. Melatonin is an antioxidant. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's an anti-cancer agent. We don't want to suppress our body's production of that, right? It's a, it's a hormone. It's not a sleeping pill. Not only that, when we supplement with a hormone, that's not just an isolated thing. It's not like, oh, I took some melatonin, so now I have more melatonin. Every single hormone is connected to every other hormone. They're a synergistic network. So if you eat something, like let's say you have two bowls of Honey Nut Cheerios, blood sugar goes up, insulin, hormone, is released in response to that elevation in blood sugar. That's not just an insulin issue. Because insulin goes up, remember, it's tied through this synergistic network to every other hormone. And so that is impacting cortisol. That's impacting your thyroid hormones. That's impacting melatonin. That's impacting ghrelin and leptin and all of these things. Well, the same is true with melatonin. When we artificially increase melatonin, we're pulling on and impacting and shifting and adjusting all of our other hormones. And that's a really big deal. Melatonin is naturally lowest in the morning and peaks at night if our circadian rhythm is kind of operating the way that it's supposed to so that we feel more awake in the light and we feel more sleepy in the dark. But of course, we can mess that up. And there are many things that do that. And we're going to talk about it. Now, I've told you, and this is kind of the rabbit hole that I went down, I've told you that your body has a clock, this circadian rhythm, sleep-wake cycle kind of thing. And that's located in your brain, the part of your body that controls that and is responsible for that circadian rhythm. That's, that's located in your brain. But that's not the only clock you have in your body. Your intestinal cells have their own circadian rhythm. And optimally, in a healthy individual, the clocks are synced, right? The one located in your brain, the one located in your intestinal cells, and also the microbes in your body, the bacteria, they too have a clock. And so you can imagine when we're eating a diet that's very rich in processed foods, we're going to disrupt the microbiome, and that disrupts the body clock. I can see this play out so clearly. Let's say that I have something for dinner that's out of my norm. Let's say that I have a big plate of pasta or, you know, we have a pizza party and I end up having pizza and some dessert or something. I do not sleep near as well. My sleep is more disrupted. I might fall asleep faster 
likely because of the blood sugar crash. That is very true. I might fall asleep faster, but I do not sleep as deeply, as soundly, as consistently. I'm much more disrupted. And in part, that is because of the way that our intestinal cells and our microbiome are at play in circadian rhythm. When I look back at periods of my life where it was the norm for me to eat garbage, you know, processed food, overeat, sugar, starch, all that, I had dramatically more trouble with sleep than I do when I'm consistently eating well, pregnancy excluded. I do not sleep well during pregnancy, but that's more of a, I have to go to the bathroom every seven minutes kind of thing. Um, So there are a lot of things at play here, including the gut. So when we talk about the role, the impact of the circadian rhythm, say in our intestinal cells, that impacts nutrient absorption and metabolism and cell turnover. And when I say cell turnover, I'm talking about when old cells die off as they should and new cells are regenerated as they need to be for healing and repair and overall health, the circadian rhythm of the gut impacts those things. A lot of people don't give much thought to this idea of nutrient absorption, but if your circadian rhythm in your gut is off, you cannot extract from your food the nutrients that you need. And what this means is maybe you clean up your diet a little bit, but you still feel like garbage. You still have very low energy. You're still not performing well in your workouts. You very well have a nutrient absorption issue. Not only that, and this is, this is a big part of the disease progression piece of circadian rhythm. When we disturb the circadian rhythm in the gut, the cells in the gut are more vulnerable. They can't protect themselves as well. And the gut is a primary defense of the immune system. And so when those cells can't defend themselves well, we are more prone to progression of disease. Our immune system is not functioning the way that it needs to. And that is how these things impact the progression of neurodegenerative disease and cancer and all of that. You might be wondering, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? We're going to get there. I promise I'm not just going to tell you all of these things and use words like, you know, cancer and neurodegenerative disease and not give you strategies. We're going to get to strategies. The microbiome, it too, not just the intestinal cells, has its own circadian rhythm 24-hour clock. Let's talk for one quick second about the things that we do that disrupt this. Supplementing with melatonin, we already talked about, that definitely screws with the body clock. There are going to be questions about that. I'm going to get to those questions. Don't worry. And I'll also say, I'm not a medical doctor, right? If you're doing something under the advice of your medical doctor, then listen to your medical doctor, but also do your research and ask a lot of questions. Because I would hazard a guess that the, well, I don't even have to guess, the dramatic majority of medical doctors do not have extensive training in things like circadian rhythm, in things like the 
the microbiome and the intestinal cells, body clock, and all, anything like that. Certainly, they do not have extensive training in supplementation. The things that disrupt the body clock, the one in the brain, the one in the intestines, the one in the microbes, overeating, eating at night. And a lot of these things, obviously, you're going to see you're tied directly to the solutions, right? If eating at night disrupts, then have a bigger buffer between your last meal or snack and bedtime. Uh, processed foods, for sure. They wreck the microbiome and they're just not friendly to the intestines. So the more processed foods you have, the more disruption of the body clock. Of course, things like shift work disrupt the circadian rhythm. There's not... It's not something that you cannot overcome. You can. You're not just screwed if you're somebody who works overnight. It just means that the other strategies for normalizing it matter a lot. So we've said overeating, processed foods, eating at night. Those are things that disrupt supplementation with melatonin. A lot of artificial light exposure absolutely screws with your circadian rhythm. The reason for that is that light suppresses melatonin. Remember, melatonin is naturally lowest in the morning when the sun rises and highest in the evening when the sun sets. But of course, technology, we have lights that we can turn on and many of us are exposed to light from the second that we wake up to the second we go to bed. Some light is more damaging. And I said some, not sun. Some light is more damaging, some types of light, than others, like the light that comes from your cell phone or your computer that's known as blue light. That has a more damaging effect than, say, a UV light or being out in the sun. Erratic eating patterns, right, grazing all day long, that disrupts the circadian rhythm in all three of these areas. As I said, it kind of points to the things that we can do to create solutions. So let's talk about those. Most of us are not going to either be able to or choose to avoid artificial light after sunset, right? Whether that means it's because the light is on in my dining room or it's because I'm working after Roman goes to bed. But what we can do is we can use blue light blockers. You can get blue light blocking glasses on Amazon. They used to be hideously ugly, tacky, and look like construction glasses. Now there's all sorts of companies that make them really cute. But this is an important thing. I know it sounds silly, but it really matters. And it doesn't just matter so that you can fall asleep and stay asleep and get good quality sleep. Remember, it matters for your long-term health. That's no exaggeration. You also, uh, in addition to blue light blockers, there are some softwares out there that block it. Uh, years ago, I used one called Flux, and I think it was F.L.U.X. Um, I would imagine that is still available. I just use blue light blocking glasses now. But you can look at things that you can install on your computer that will naturally dim the light and change the type of light emitted from your computer when the sun sets in your time zone. So that's something to look at. The other thing is, keep your sleeping quarters dark and cool. 
warmer temperatures aren't friendly with melatonin. So melatonin likes dark and likes cool. That's why when we talk about sleep hygiene, we talk about keep your room dark, keep your room cool. Both of those things help to facilitate melatonin production. Expose yourself to light in the morning. Somebody I was sharing a couple months ago in the Primal Potential Facebook group that I was going to be doing this episode and somebody was saying, you know, I I wake up before the sun rises and I do too. So how can I expose myself to natural light to kind of get my body kicking in like it's morning now? And there are all sorts of things that you can purchase like UV lights and I actually I actually have one. I got it when I was recovering from surgery several years back. You don't have to do that. Turning on all the lights is certainly a step in that direction, but UV light is better. But as soon as the sun does come out, even if it's cold outside, stand outside for two or three minutes with something of your skin exposed, right? Don't go bundled up, face wrapped, you know, all of that. Like even if it's cold, expose your face, expose your hands, maybe roll up your sleeves. Even if it's chilly, the cold is actually really good for you for other reasons. Uh, But as soon as you can, get some natural light. And then when the sun sets, really work to minimize your exposure to light, especially the light that comes from electronics. Improve your diet. Clean it up. Ditch the processed foods. Ditch the sugars. It's not just about body weight. This is about your long-term health. This is about your ability to rest and recover. And remember that so much of repair in your body only happens in those deeper stages of sleep. So if you're not getting there, that's where we see the link to that long-term disease progression. Because our body isn't able to effectively run those cleanup processes while we're sleeping because we're not getting into those those phases. So ditch the processed foods, the processed sugars. Look for diets rich in high-quality fats like EPA, DHA, antioxidants. If you're eating whole foods, you're going to get those things. You can always supplement with them too. Avoid erratic eating patterns, right? Uh, don't eat late at night. That is very important. I, I personally like to have the longest gap as possible between dinner and when I eat the next morning. When I'm not pregnant, I'll often have dinner between 5 and 6 p.m. I know that's very early. It's just what works for me. And then I won't eat again until maybe like 11 a.m. the next morning. That's a really great thing for your body clock. It's also a really great thing for your overall cell health. And it's a great thing for your metabolism. When I'm pregnant and other people have other reasons, you know, my mom's a grazer. She doesn't do well with extended periods without food. However, she also doesn't need a snack an hour before she goes to bed, even if she's in that pattern for long-term health. In pregnancy, I definitely eat more frequently, but that is a limited amount of time. And I'm making sure that if I'm eating at nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night, it's not crackers. It's not something processed. It's, it's maybe it's a piece of cheese or it's a handful of almonds or something like that. Practice intermittent fasting. It is a powerful way to normalize the rhythm, the circadian rhythm of your gut microbes, of your intestinal cells, to work with your overall body clock located in your brain. If you're going to supplement, there are many options before you go to melatonin. I personally like Sleep Plus. It does not contain melatonin. It is all natural. It has ingredients that support your body's melatonin production, which I'm a big fan of. 
So all of those things are things you can practice. You do not have to practice them all at once. You can start with one thing and work on it. If you're like, oh man, I'm notorious for eating at night, start there. Start there before you worry about things like intermittent fasting, before you worry about supplementation, before you're trying to find blue light blockers on Amazon. Start with one thing. But again, this is not just about whether or not you can tough out being tired. I can tough out being tired too. You know, I was saying to Chris this morning, when I'm pregnant, I tend to wake up around one and then be up around till around four. And this morning, Roman woke up at 5.15. So all of us are capable of toughing it out. But in the long term, that has repercussions on our propensity to develop neurodegenerative diseases and cancer and more. It has consequences in the short term on our metabolism. And nobody is looking for metabolic or hormonal challenges at any point in time. Okay? I got a bunch of questions that I want to take a few minutes to dive into. I'm sure there will be more. I want to hear them. Reach out to me. Either DM me on Instagram or you can comment in the Primal Potential Facebook group. We can absolutely do a follow-up of questions. I'm sure that there are many things I did not touch on that I could have But I got a a handful of questions when I told the Primal Potential Facebook group I was going to do this episode. So I want to take a few minutes to dive into those. One of them was, what's the impact of eating or snacking closer to bedtime? One is that it suppresses melatonin. The other is that it raises body temperature and a kind of downstream effect of that. That too disrupts melatonin and it disrupts eating closer to bedtime disrupts that circadian rhythm, that natural cycle of intestinal cells and microbes in the gut, which has the short-term impacts, but also those long-term really concerning impacts. And the, the thing to remember is that it's not an all or nothing proposition, right? You can begin if you're like, oh, I get really hungry. Okay, well, I would first start by saying, what's going on at dinner that my dinner isn't satisfying me? Or is it some, I'm not eating enough throughout the day or I'm not eating enough fiber throughout the day or I'm not eating enough protein or enough fat throughout the day? I would start to look at making those changes. But you can also clean up quality before you get rid of it. Instead of having a bowl of popcorn, you can have string cheese. Instead of having ice cream, you can have something that's whole foods. You can have almonds. You can have an apple with peanut butter. You can have something that is an improvement. It's not an all or nothing kind of thing. I'm not asking you to suffer through being exhausted and and being really hungry and then not being able to sleep because you're hungry. But know that for me personally, if I was in a position where I was, aside from being pregnant, where I was really tired or really hungry before bed, I would be looking at the day, not just, oh, I need a snack. My meals should satisfy me. And if they don't, I'm going to adjust them. So that's another way to to look at it. Um, Another question that came in was, what about for people over 50? Doesn't melatonin production decrease as you age? Well, pretty much all of our hormone production is impacted by the aging process. Melatonin, yes, your production does decrease over over age. However, that doesn't mean you necessarily need to supplement. And you certainly don't need to start with supplementation as the first line of defense. So I would be looking at nutrition. I would be looking at 
uh, light exposure and minimizing that and blue light blockers. I would be looking at all sorts of things before the supplementation route. And then if I were to go the supplementation route, I would look at other supplements first before melatonin. Because remember, it's not just a matter of like, well, melatonin uh, production is down, so I'm going to supplement with melatonin. All of our hormones are this interconnected network, so you are also impacting insulin, cortisol, thyroid hormones, adrenal hormones, sex hormones, all of that. So that would be a last resort for me. Uh, Somebody asked, is it better to allow natural light into your bedroom or black it out? Personal opinion, black it out. I had a really interesting conversation with somebody asked, do supplements even need to be part of this equation? She said, I think they're overused and I think we can meet our needs with food. I don't agree. And I'll tell you why. First of all, our food production has changed over time, dramatically. My mom was here the other day and I was, what did Roman have? He had maybe like mango or he was, he had some fruit. And my mom was saying, you know, when you were a kid, the only fruit that we could get year round was basically bananas, you know, like apples, you could get them in the fall and grapes, you could get them in the late spring and summer. But my my mom loves grapes. And she was saying Easter would have to fall really late years ago in order to have grapes in a fruit salad because they just weren't available. And she was like, now you can get any fruit anytime. Well, there's consequences of that. Things are farmed more quickly and soil is more depleted because we're we're basically demanding that we have everything, every vegetable, every fruit available year round. Oh, I know how it came up. She was saying like avocados weren't readily available um, when I was a kid. You couldn't just walk into the grocery store and see an avocado where we live. And that has consequences. There, the data is, I, I know I've done episodes on this. I don't know the episode numbers. The data is very clear that the nutrient density has changed over time. Now, that's not to say that if you are very intentional of like, I need to have salmon this many times and it needs to be wild caught and I need to have this amount of nuts and seeds every day and this variety of fruits and vegetables. Theoretically, is it possible? Yeah, but I don't believe that the majority of people are being that intentional, that consistently, and not to mention, you can't measure it. You don't know how much vitamin A you're getting from that carrot. You don't. You can guesstimate, but do you really want to gamble? And then with other things, there's just no way. For example, probiotics. Different strains do different things. So yes, we know that kimchi and yogurt are probiotic-rich foods compared to, say, spaghetti, but we don't know what strains we're getting and we don't know how much, and yet we know what strains we need for certain benefits and in what quantity. Personally, I don't want to leave that to chance. I don't want it to leave it to chance with probiotics. I don't want to leave it to chance with vitamin D. You know, we can say, oh, this much yogurt has this much vitamin D. But do you know? No, you don't. That's an average. And I don't want to leave that for, to chance. The other thing is, the numbers that we know in terms of targets for things like vitamin C are based on 
an average individual. They're not based on an overweight individual. They're not based on a pregnant individual. They're not based on an individual who has a thyroid issue and maybe has different nutrient needs. And most people don't know what their unique nutrient needs are. Exactly. So I wouldn't want to leave that to chance. That is, it is important enough to me that I do not want to take a gamble on it. And if you feel differently, that's totally okay. There's no problem with that whatsoever. Those are the questions that came in on this topic. But again, if there are more, let me know. The bottom line here is that sleep is not just about feeling rested and energized. It is also about your metabolism. It is also about your hormones, which are about everything from your energy to your mood to your reproductive health to your body weight to your muscle mass to your immune system. And it's also about the likelihood that you are going to go down a path of some more serious disease progression as you age. And there's a lot that we can do to work with our body clock. And there's a lot that we can do that really screws it up. And we talked about a bunch of those things today. But if you have questions, let me know. Remember, this is your show. So if there's something I didn't talk about or I didn't talk about enough or I left you with questions, let me know in the Primal Potential Facebook group or DM me over on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton and we'll do a follow-up. Make it a great day. I'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, make sure to take a few seconds to leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. It not only supports the show in a huge way, but it also automatically enters you into our weekly product giveaway. For more tools, tips, and strategies on creating change, check out my first book, Chasing Cupcakes, and follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. Remember, every choice is a chance, and I'll see you next time.